Well, it's been stated. It's been overstated. I'm sure. Uh, let me also say it to you. Happy Mother's Day. Um, Mike and Perry and I went to Cracker Barrel this morning, and normally 8 o'clock we walk right in, and we sit down, and it's not an issue. We came rolling in a few minutes before uh, before 8 o'clock, and man, it was crowded. It, it was packed, and, and they just, they, they love today. The restaurants love today. Uh, we did our thing yesterday with Amanda, honored her yesterday, or we tried to. Got another restaurant story, but we're not going to get into that. Uh, but I'll go ahead and tell you this. You need to get your mom some gifts. Okay? Now, I have some failed attempts in my life, and I know some men who have, who have not been very considerate when they gave their mom something. So if you have one of these items and you've not given it to her yet, don't. Okay? Wait a couple of days and just say, hey, mom, I got you this. Like, do something completely different. But moms don't want bathroom scales. Okay? We, we, know, we know that. You're thinking, oh, man, mom mentioned something about exercising. This is, just, this is what's going to be great. I'm going to give her a bathroom scale. Uh, moms don't want vacuum cleaners. They might accept the little robot thing that runs around, but if you've seen the picture of, you know, the little girl that was laying there watching TV and the little Roomba vacuum cleaner was out doing its thing and she fell asleep and it rolled across the back of her hair and, and sucked up her hair, moms probably don't want that because that now creates a bigger headache. Um, moms don't want anything. And maybe if I offend you with this, I'm just sorry, okay? This is just me. Just don't say it. <laughs> they don't want anything that says world's best mom on it. All right? I mean, you shouldn't have to give them a coffee mug that says world's best mom. Like, like you should be letting them know. Um, and I remember this story growing up. Like, this was a true story. Uh, my dad got my mom a coffee pot, coffee maker for Mother's Day. My mom does not drink coffee. <laughs> All right? Her British roots run deep. She's a tea drinker. And he's like, well, I just thought you would, would like this. And she reminds him of that often. So if you've not exchanged gifts, here's what moms really want. I'm an expert. Trust me. Okay? <laughs> I know what moms want. I studied this this week, and I even took a poll of, of several moms. And there's a lot of things that, that moms spoke, and, and they said, but here's, here's the thing they want most. They don't want your drama. Like, 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 they want to go through the rest of the day, and they don't want your drama. They don't want your chaos. They don't want your issues. Now, I understand, hey, I've got something serious going on. Mom's always going to come to the rescue. Mom's going to always give herself and be right there with her babies to do what needs to happen. But if it's just some sibling drama that goes on, I'm looking over here. Where's my other one? I need her in the room right now. Uh, if, if, if it is just some petty stuff that's going on in life, moms don't want it. They don't want it on any day. But especially today, the day that we honor and we celebrate them. Because here's the thing. So much of life already has turmoil involved. I mean, every day has turmoil. It has chaos. And so today, especially today, they're going to appreciate the break. Even if you get your mom a world's, you know, best mom tea cozy or something like that, they're going to appreciate the break from any calamity from you. And here's the question. Seriously, why, why does chaos become so centric to our everyday life? Like, like why has a day-to-day -day life full of drama and hectic schedules 
Why has that become the norm? Because here's the thing, it certainly was not the way of Jesus. I've told you, I've shared this with you, I've been studying some things coming up for some fall life group lessons and a couple of sermon series that we've got still focused on becoming like Jesus. And, And I'm telling you right now, it's very evident to me that Jesus was never in a hurry. Jesus had a pace of life that was completely different than anything that you and I can relate to. He was never in a hurry to get anywhere. I mean, we can talk even about Lazarus, and we're not going to get into it today. But his, one of his closest friends, Lazarus, dies, and Jesus is like, yeah, I'll be there in a couple of days. And he's only a couple miles away. He never rushed to accomplish one task so that he could get to another. Yesterday, i got to brag on some men real quick. Yesterday... Uh, and some ladies, okay? Uh, we, we helped Kyla Joe. We, we, we told you this uh, a couple weeks ago, and last week she's moving, and that got shifted around to yesterday. And so it was like, hey, if you can help, help. Man, and, and Jeff, and Dion, and Jack, and Caleb, and Chase, and Griffin. Um, Stella was there working. Kyla Joe, her, her girls were working. Am I leave anybody out? Anybody want to take some credit? Um, man, let me tell you. It was like, hey, look, Kyle Joe, it's Saturday, and there's some things we got to get done. People got to leave at, at 11, all right? Um, and, and then some people got to leave at, at 12, 12 30. There's just stuff that we've got to do. And it's like, so we got to hurry. We got to hustle. And so it was all business. And, and you could ask the guys that were there. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I was just bossing people around. I was doing, you know, I was that delegating thing, doing what I do. And I like Kyle Joe. When we came to unloading the truck, I said, you just stand right here. You don't walk out to that truck and grab one thing off of it. You stand right here and you just tell people where to go. And she's like, why? And I'm like, because Dion has got to leave and we got to get this heavy stuff off before he's got to leave. That's why. So I need you just telling people where to put stuff. And, and, and it was, I mean, it was go, 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 go. And we got done in record time. It was one of the best moves ever. I wish I wish you were here to, to pray. She packed up well. Everybody worked hard, got it knocked out. But here's the thing. Why were we in a hurry? Because we had something else we had to get to. And, and that is how most of us live our lives. I got to hurry up and finish this task, this project, this whatever, get my child here, because now I've got to get to this. And I, then I got to get dinner going, and then we got to do the dishes. And then we got to we reset and we do the thing over and over and over again. And Jesus didn't live like that. And he never rushed to accomplish a task. He was certainly a busy man. I mean, John tells us that if everything he did was even recorded, there wouldn't be enough libraries in the world to catch it all. But you never get the impression that his life was chaotic. That's because his nature, part of who he is as a man, created in the image of God, was to live in peace. And since we are also created in that same image, we too are created to live in peace. Not just to visit peace on a few times a year. I mean, I, I hear everybody talk about their vacations, their, their escape from the norm, from, from breaking reality. I mean, how was your vacation? I mean, I need a vacation to recover from my vacation. Wore me out. I mean, our, our vacations are full of go, 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 chaos and drama. 
And the reality is we are created as followers, followers of Christ. We are created to live in peace. Colossians tells us this. Paul writes to the church. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. You're going to notice being thankful and peace and joy. They're, they're, they're kind of wrapped up together. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So for a few more minutes today, we're going to talk about peace. Because this is part of the fruit of the Spirit. That when the Holy Spirit comes within us and we surrender our lives to the Lord, He says, I'm going to give you this helper. I'm going to give you this Spirit. And it's going to produce a fruit in you. And it looks like this. It's found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25. Read this. We've read it so far every week. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So Paul's writing to the church. He says, when you do this, when you live this way, you're going you're gonna to live this surrender like you are going to have my spirit in you. And that spirit, and as long as you live by the spirit, it's going to produce a fruit. And part of that is peace. So let's talk about it. what is peace. Right? We need to be able to wrap our minds around what, what peace is. That let's always use the Bible to ask Bible questions and get Bible answers. Not coming up here on the screen, but, but I remember Gideon back in Judges. He, he, he's doing his thing with God. He was scared, and God's like, oh, no, I'm going to do a work in you. I'm going to do a work in you. And Gideon went on to build an altar. It says, Judges 6, 24, says Gideon built an altar to the Lord there, and he named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The very nature of God. When you look at him, you, 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 if we could stare at God and we could say his aura, who he is, we would say that that is peace. We know that God is love. We know that God is these things because we're on a, we're on a, a journey of becoming like Jesus. And when you look at the very nature of God, you look and you say, oh, that, that's, that's peace. In English... The word peace conjures up some, you know, like a, a passive picture, you know, one showing an absence of disturbance. No, no hostilities. It, it's a personality free from internal and external strife. The biblical concept, though, is so much larger, and it rests heavily on the Hebrew word shalom. You've seen this, you've heard this in movies, you, you, you've seen it in, in documentaries, or you, you've read it. The, the word shalom in the Old Testament means to be complete or whole or to live well. So, this is, so you see in Jewish cultures, they'll use the word shalom that's a greeting. And you, you enter into to the room and they'll, they'll, they'll do their, their traditional kiss and they'll, they'll say shalom to you. It's to hope you're living well or I hope... Hope that you are living whole and complete. They also say it as a farewell when you depart. Peace is not a feeling. It's not, it's not an emotion. It's not a choice. Like I don't get to wake up today and say, you know what? 
Woke up pretty good. Coffee was just right. Now, today's a good day to live in peace. So I'm just, I'm going to live in peace today. You know, we tell ourselves, man, today's going to be a good day. Today's going, I'm going to be happy today. I'm going to have a positive attitude today. You don't get to do that with peace. You don't get to choose peace. However, our choices over time have a direct impact on living a life of peace. And that you need to let sink in for a moment. It's a mindset. Peace is a condition of our heart that is formed in us as we demonstrate faith over time. Like joy, we talked about joy last week. Peace is the byproduct of us being faithful. Not just this surface level faithful that, that so many Christians live in, but a complete surrender to God faithful. When I trust Jesus and I live my life the way he would live my life if he were me, that's a mouthful, I experience peace. So let me say that again. When I trust Jesus and I live my life the way he would live my life if he were me, I'm going to experience <coughs> peace. But we all have this in common. We've all dealt with drunk. You may be dealing with drama right now. We've all felt overwhelmed at some point in time. So we can't just talk about peace. We've got to talk about the root. What, what, what causes these overwhelming feelings? What, what causes these moments of drama, of internal strife? That's the question. You know, what causes chaos in our lives? And I'll tell you this. What I, what I came up with is not a, it's not a complete list. We, we could probably take some feedback from the audience and, and we could probably, probably get a, a much broader list of what causes chaos. But in 20 plus years of ministry, much of the chaos surrounding life has to do with four major areas. And, and three of them, you control. So if you can get these three things dialed in, the fourth one's just part of life. We'll talk about that in a second. But there's four major areas for, for us that... that Man, this is, this is the root of chaos. All right? I'll tell you this for number one, busyness. There's no particular order, but this is just the first one I came up with, busyness. As I already mentioned, we live our lives at a frantic pace. There is always something for us to get to or somewhere to be. And as a culture, we feel pressure to go and to do, to be involved in more and more. Kids come on the scene, we, that only gets amped up a little bit. Because the neighbor's kids, they participate in XYZ. So you want to know what? My kids got to participate in XYZ and A. Right? Like, like we, we got we to gotta keep it going. We got to keep, keep going on. All right? We're, we're going to. We greet one another. I've, I've already heard it today. We greet one another with, hey, how are you doing today? I'm so busy. Like, like, that's an answer to the question, how are you doing? I am busy. And Adrian Rogers, the, the famous minister, said this famous quote, if the devil can't make you bad, he will make you busy. Because here's the thing. The devil doesn't matter what idol you put up there instead of Jesus. All right? 
hey, you can put the idol of busyness up there, of doing anything that he can do to you to distract you from, from putting Jesus first in your life. He's fine with it. And so you could be a great person. You could be an outstanding person in the community, of just, just as good as they come. But if you are putting something else up on the idol, if you are putting something else up on the throne other than Jesus, it's a false idol. And busyness is one of the worst that we fall into this trap. And I believe that, that quote to be true. The devil's not trying to make you necessarily into some sinister sinner. He's 100% okay with you just being busy. So here's some life truth. Jesus was never in a hurry to be anywhere. When was the last time you weren't in a hurry? I mean, you don't read it in the Bible about Jesus showing up to the temple on Sunday on two wheels, dragging Peter and John out the car. Come on, straighten up, boys. Put a smile on your face. I mean, we're, we're run, run, run. You don't see Jesus was never in a hurry. When was the last time you weren't in a mad dash to be somewhere? Get something done. Second thing is distractions. I read this somewhere. I don't remember where, but Americans get distracted by the distractions. We don't even realize it. That's the thing. These distractions, they are all around us. And we carry, I don't have it on, we carry the biggest distraction in our pocket. Oh, my goodness. Or purse. No offense. Sorry. The average, get this. The average first world citizen looks at a screen of some kind about seven hours a day. Now, some of that's productive. Hey, some of y'all are like, man, I gotta, I work nine hours a day, and it's in front of a computer screen. I, I get that. Some of that is productive. Stella is a Stella's a student, and she's got her Chromebook, and she sits there with her Chromebook, and she, every every class there there is you know, lessons at a screen. But then she comes home. And while she's on the way home, she's doing this. She's looking at this. She's looking at that when the teacher is teaching. They got these massive, like, iPads in classrooms. They're so cool that the teacher just sits up there. And so it's said that if you are born in the 1990s or later, meaning my children, okay, that they will spend 44 years of their life looking at a screen of some kind. And I read this morning on my screen, right there, <laughs> digital reading, you know, um, I, that, that you, your eyes come across close to 3,000 advertisements each day. Driving down the road, 2,000 of them are Alexander Shinar billboards, okay? <laughs> Y'all get that here in Alabama. Um, but, but you just see advertisements for something over 3,000 a day. Now, I take everything with a grain of salt because I'm just reading it from, from other sources. But you know it's true. Yeah, I mean, maybe not 3,000, but you know it's a lot. You, you know that when, you, when you're sitting there scrolling whatever, doing whatever, you talk about like, cat litter or something with your family driving down the road and the next thing you do look at your phone there's advertisements for, for cat litter on whatever it is right i mean it, it happens i'm telling you and, and and so we are distracted 
And when we think this little device is outstanding, and, and I'm, I'm all about it, I love it, I got them everywhere, my kids have them, but I'm telling you right now, they're a distraction. Third thing, whew, this is a big, poor communication. In 20 plus years of ministry, poor communication causes chaos all the time. And when we are failing to listen to those around us, when we are failing to articulate details, failing to communicate feelings, man, this brings on some internal strife. And I cannot tell you how many issues in ministry wouldn't even happen if people would verbally communicate to one another. I'm talking about face-to-face. Right? Like, I'm, I'm talking about, I'm, I'm looking at you. Hey, that's a conversation that needs to be had, you know, face-to-face. Worst-case scenario, let me pick up the phone so you can hear my voice. But we've become <coughs> lazy and convenient, and we like the idea that, hey, I can sit here and communicate something to you via text message. You want to know why that's easy and convenient? Because if you say no or you don't like it, I don't get my feelings hurt versus let me call you and tell you something or say something to you face-to-face. Poor communication leads to a lot more chaos in our lives. It leads to a lot of broken relationships, and and we've got to learn to communicate better. Social media is killing our ability to communicate effectively with one another. And I'll go ahead and tell you, I I love text messaging. I know some of y'all are like, you're old like that. I know. I use it daily. It's a great tool to communicate some simple facts and reminders to people. But, I, but I, I fight the urge to handle any type of conflict, to have any type of meaningful conversation via text message. Because I see time and time and time again how that has happened with God's people, and it's led to some type of turmoil and internal strife that is taking place in people's lives. And then the fourth thing, guys, is life circumstances. Things just out of our control. It's going to happen. Tragedy, unfortunately, is going to happen to us. The Bible promises this. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It's going to happen. There's going to be unforeseen circumstances, losing a job, being transferred, what, whatever the case may be. Here's the thing, chaos is going to be part of our lives. How much chaos, okay, that, that plays on me. Am I willing to slow down and not be so busy? Am I willing to communicate face-to-face? Am I willing to limit the distractions? Well, if I get those things under control, and then all I've got to deal with is the, the life circumstances, hey, I've automatically cut a lot of chaos out of my life. But it's going to happen. We can limit it. We can control it. But it's going to happen. And it's going to happen in different forms, as we're going to see in our story today. It doesn't matter what the source of the chaos is. There's still a way to handle it, according to Jesus. Mark chapter 4, I love this story. I love the story. I love love the bigger picture of of what's going on in Mark chapter 4. Read it with me. Oh, not out loud. Just follow along. On that day, sorry. Sorry. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took with him, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. 
And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Right? And then verse 42 says that Jesus went back to sleep. Right, maybe he didn't. Here's the deal. Jesus is spending a lot of time together. He's teaching his disciples on this particular day. And there's a lot. As a matter of fact, when you get into it, Mark chapter 4, he kind of introduces the parable system. He starts telling the crowds these stories. And he would tell these stories, and then he would explain them, and, and it goes on. And Mark records this uh, at, 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 at Peter's instruction to, hey, stories are the way to go, because this is how Jesus taught. He, he uses these real-life examples. And so that, that is kind of what's going on here. We use stories today in our life groups to follow this very pattern. And so Jesus is doing a full day of teaching, telling these stories and explaining them. And as evening comes, he's tired. Let's leave the crowd and let's go across to the other side of the lake. That's what he wants to do. So there's some other boats. They see, people, they see Jesus and the disciples getting into a boat. So other people get in their boats and they're just a bunch of boats going across there, right? Now the Sea of Galilee, you know this if you've grown up in church, it's known for its sudden storms. And then I've heard from different people that, man, these storms just come out of nowhere. But there's nothing to worry about. Because we have at least four fishermen. And they worked these very waters nightly. I mean, so you're thinking, man, we've got four guys that, that grew up in a home fishing. We're, we're, we got this. This is under control. Let the guys that know how to operate the boat, operate the boat. The rest of you, Matthew, tax collectors, just stay out of the way. Jesus is like, y'all got this? I'm grabbing the cushion, and I'm going to go sleep. Okay? Now, this is not a big boat. All right? I mean, you can't think that this is some monstrosity of a boat that had multiple decks and everything. That, that, that's just, that's not the reality. All right? It, it, it's, a, it's a fishing boat. And Jesus is just in the back, and he's sleeping on the cushion. He must have been really tired. Because now the winds pick up. And the winds pick up. And now water's crashing into the boat. And Jesus doesn't mind getting wet, apparently, while he sleeps. And things get so chaotic. Doesn't face Jesus at all. He's sawing logs. Things get so chaotic in the back that the fishermen, the guys who do this nightly, they're like, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to die? I mean, they, they go, they're, they're like at wit's end. We, we, we don't know what we're going to do. And so I just picture this. I just picture Jesus just kind of rolling over. You know, he's probably not in some fog. He's probably got a little bit clearer mind than what, than what we would have on a, on a deep sleep. Because he's Jesus. He props up a little bit. Probably a little agitated. And he tells Mother Nature what to do. Stop. Calm down. And then he just kind of looks at his disciples. Why are you afraid? And then this is the piercing question. Have, 
the interesting thing about this story. It's not this story. It's actually the previous teaching. It's the last teaching of the day before they went and got in the boat. Jesus is, is sharing with his crowd, and he's sharing with his disciples. And he's talking about the kingdom of God. This is the last thing that, that we know was said before we go get in the boat and go across the other sea. We're going to talk about the kingdom of God. And Jesus uses the mustard seed as an illustration. Now, he uses the mustard seed a couple of times. He likes to go back to the mustard seed. And his words here, the mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds. Like if you had a handful of mustard seeds right now, you'd have a few hundred thousand mustard seeds. You go plant those things, you got more mustard, you know what to do with it. He likes mustard seeds. He says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's planted in the ground. The smallest seeds of all. And when it grows, it actually becomes the largest tree in the garden. And it provides large branches so that the birds of the air can find adequate rest and protection. That, that's, that's what he's saying about this mustard seed. And here's the thing about this parable that Jesus is sharing. It's not about the mustard seed or the birds. The, the, the parable that Jesus is sharing as he's talking about the mustard seed in the kingdom of God, it, it's about you having faith. Now he uses another one that says if you have faith of a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain what to do. That happens at a different time and place. He, he's talking about the mustard seed and he says this is all about, this is about having faith in God who is our great provider. The kingdom of God is his reign. It's anything that God is in control of. And so when you and I surrender our lives into his kingdom, guess what this parable is saying to you and I? That we will have adequate rest and protection because that's what his coverage is like. It's like this huge tree that provides rest. That's what the kingdom of God is like. That's what, that's what surrendering your life to my way is like. You get to come into my rest and protection. That's what he tells the disciples. Now let's go get the boat. Here comes the storm. Are we going to, no matter what happens on this boat, are we going to sit and enjoy his rest and protection? But then there's the human element. There's the, man, I know these waters. Oh, we've seen storms like this before. We, 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 we're familiar with this. We can navigate this because, because I'm a trained fisherman. My dad taught me how to, and his dad taught him how to. So I know how to, I know how to handle the boat on the rough waters. And that, that's, that's the game that you and I play. That's the human element. That, that, that we have that leads to chaos every single time. Because what happened? Peter and John and Andrew, James, they're no longer in control. They're, 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 they're now at a place where we can't control what's about to happen, so the only outcome is death. Jesus wants to know, guys, where's your faith? In most chaotic situations that we find ourselves in, there's a control piece. I can't control it. I don't think you and I have been in these storms before. Maybe it's been in our marriage. Maybe it's been with our kids. Maybe it's been with our work. Maybe it's been with whatever is going on between my neighbors. 
we have been in the storms. And as long as we've got control, as long as we feel like we're in control, we're okay. But then when we lose control, we don't know what to do. And the disciples, we're going to die. So let me share three quick points with you. We're going to wrap this thing up, okay? Number one, Jesus does not promise you and I that the journey will be easy. He never says that to you. Hey, just because you grow up in America and you've raised as a, you know, upper class citizen and you, you've got nice things and, and, and life is good, or if, if, you, if you're from, you know, Chitiwa, Zimbabwe, where they don't even have electricity and running water in their homes, it doesn't matter. God never says that it's going to be easy and without any storms. But when you have an all-in faith, he does guarantee you this. You're going to arrive at the destination. Now, the destination may be different and it may be situational. But I promise you this, that if you're going through a storm right now, if, if, if there's sickness, if there's, if there's things out of your control right now, and you have an all-in faith, you're going to arrive at the destination. Now, it may not be the same destination that you want. Because you look at this story, what happened next, it's not what the disciples anticipated. But when you have an all-in faith, you're, you're, you're going you're gonna to go along. And Jesus never says it's going to be smooth sailing. That's number one. Number two, Jesus is with you on the journey. Now, it may seem like he's at the back of the boat right now sleeping. Okay? You, you may have to go wake him up. All right? But he's going through whatever storm you may be in. He is going through that with you. Notice what the disciples ask in verse 38. Do you not care? Jesus, wake up. We're about to die here. And of course the answer is yes. Jesus cares. Jesus cares about your marriage. He cares about your children. He cares about your health. He cares about your job situation. He cares about all of those things. He cares more than your grandma does, okay? Jesus cares for you. You may not feel that. You, you may not feel that Jesus is even in the boat with you. But I promise you he is. You may have to go wake him up. You may actually have to walk to the back. I'm going to have to put this, this oar down or, or, or drop this rope or whatever it is that Peter's told me i got to do. And I may have to run back to the back and wake him up. Jesus, are you there? I need you. I mean, you, you may have to do that. But he's there and he cares. And then the third thing, I know this speaks so true in my life. Our greatest problems are within us, not around us. It wasn't the wind. It wasn't the waves crashing over the side of the boat. It was the unbelief in the hearts of the disciples. And Jesus is with them. Like they're they're going to make it. Right? It's, 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 not, it's not what's going on around us. It's going on. Philippians 4, 4 through 7, Paul writes to the church. He says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. I don't think they were rejoicing.
rejoicing in the Lord in that moment. They were scared that they were going to die. Let everyone see that you are a considerate. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and minds as you live in Christ. Church, last week we talked about being joyful. We talked about joy, and we said it. Man, look, joy and peace, that they are related to one another in Scripture. If you find somebody that's full of joy, I'm telling you right now, they're full of peace. You, you, you cannot separate the two. And as we talked about that last week, we looked at a, a passage in Thessalonians, and we talked about this verse that says, always be joyful. And how do you do that? And, and 1 Thessalonians tells us, this is never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, or, or don't, you know, don't scoff at what God's Word says for your life. You do those things, and you're going to start to experience joy in your life. Not happiness, but joy. Well, here Paul gives us some advice. He tells us to be joyful, but then he says, guess what? When you do these things, you're going to experience peace. You're going to experience God's live well. And it exceeds anything you can understand. You can't even, you do not and cannot understand the peace that God has for your life. It's going to guard your heart. It's going to guard your mind. Just looking at this passage, how do we do it? Well, first off, we start with joy. Always be full of joy. That's what it says. Again, I tell you, always be full of joy. So it starts right there. So now I've got to go back to 1 Thessalonians, and I've got to do the things that 1 Thessalonians tells me to do so that I can have, have full, be full of joy. Always be full of joy. And then he says this, be considerate to others think the disciples were considerate to Jesus in that moment of terror? You think they went back there? Jesus? Hey, Jesus, you think you could wake up and help us out here? No, they were panicked. They were scared. They are yelling. Wake him up. It is time. You know? You know human nature? We're sitting there. They, they were not considerate to Jesus at all, but we're told, hey, be considerate to other people. But I'll tell you this. When the temperature gets turned up in my life, gentleness is not the first thing that comes out. Your emotions and your feelings, not the first thing I'm concerned with. And the Bible's like, oh, the temperature's getting turned up. You need to be considerate to other people. And then he says, don't worry about anything. I love it. Uh, that just train wrecked everything for us, right? Do not worry about anything. And I, I, know, I know most of you well enough to know that we struggle with this one. We don't worry. We don't, because we, I, I've got to be in control. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm Peter. I'm James. I'm Andrew. I'm John. I'm, I'm an experienced fisherman. I, I've got to be in control. Now I'm not. And now I'm worried. Don't worry about it. But do this. Pray about everything. And then, here we go again. Thank him for what he's done. So you do those things. There it is. You, that, that's, the, that's the recipe. Be joyful always. Hey, I, I may be in a terrible situation. I may have got some things going on in my life that I don't understand. But you can be full of joy. 
Be considerate towards other people. Don't worry. Pray about everything. Be grateful for what you have. I'm telling you right now, you start making a list of everything that God has done for you. You thank him for all he has done, and it's going to change your mind right away. And then you want to know what the next sentence is? You do those things, then you will experience You will experience it live well. God, thank you for your story. Thank you for Jesus sleeping in the back of a boat. God, you make sense of us. How can he do it? That he did it. Sets us an example. God, I pray that we can come to a place in our lives where we experience peace. Your peace, the peace that we can't even grasp, the peace that we will not, cannot understand, but we can experience it, and we're grateful for that, Father God. But it's not just going to happen. It's not just a choice I make today to, to tap into it. It's the result of now, my faithfulness, my all-in faithfulness to you. So, God, I pray that that's where it starts. That we realize this life, this world that we live in and the life that you have mapped out for us, it's going to have some chaos in it. It's going to have some drama. Some of that, Lord, I can shut out myself. I can control. But, God, there's going to be moments, there's going to be circumstances, Father, where, where I don't. But in the storms of life that come along, I can still experience peace. So I pray for our faith. God, not this superficial, ankle-deep, let me wade into the shallow end of the pool faith, but this all-in, I'm jumping from the deep end. And I'm being completely engulfed. Help us to have that faith. Help us to have the desire to have that faith. Thank you, God. We love you. We pray these things in your son's name.